Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. And uh, this week we're going to be talking about TechBlocks, Tech Talent Central. Uh, one of the many things we cover on this program is uh, all about uh, building a career in cybersecurity and technology. Uh, and this is uh, one in the San Antonio area, something kind of unique going on. And we'll dive uh, more into it uh, here with Dax Moreno, who's the chief talent officer at TechBlock. Uh, behind it. But if you're going to be able to stay with us uh, in your car on 1200 WAI, that's great. You can also continue listening if you do hop out of your car on the iHeartRadio streaming app on your Android iOS device or at iHeartRadio.com in your web browser. If you are listening to a recording of this uh, via podcasting service out there on the internet, thank you for being a subscriber. Uh, If you've got ideas for the program or want to give us feedback, uh, you can reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter or at our website at www.cybertalkradio.com. So, Dax, thank you for joining us on the program. Happy to be here, Brett. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, one, we often start with just a a little bit of your history. How the heck did you end up in technology? And then how did you end up at the chief talent officer here at TechBlock? Long and winding road, I think, is probably the most accurate description of that. Uh, but San Antonio, born and raised, uh, right out of uh, school here locally, uh, I started working at Gateway Computers, you know, the old cow spotted boxes. Yes. Uh, we did well for a brief moment in the sun, and then Dell decided to really ramp up and started slowly yeah, was, putting the, us the out. Dell, those Dell guys did all right for themselves. <laughs> yeah, they were pretty sharp. They were onto something, uh, yeah. I think. But uh, Gateway had a, a really great run, and probably I think its biggest legacy here was. Uh, a ton of us that had worked together through the gateway stores, they were great at identifying talent. Yeah. Uh, and Rackspace uh, wound up picking up a lot of us. And so from gateway, I slowly transitioned over to Rackspace and joined guys like, you know, Lorenzo, Scott White, uh, Greg Rodriguez, you know, just a ton of people uh, that had worked at both spots. And so. Yeah, if you have any listeners out in the audience, if you've read Cilantro Diaries, it's the same gateway that Lorenzo worked at. And if you haven't read Cilantro Diaries and you want kind of an interesting story and history of a San Antonio uh, person getting into tech in a circuitous route through Handy Andy, uh, check out Cilantro Diaries. That's right. I, I, I make a couple of cameos in that book. I was the person who talked Lorenzo out of Handy Andy and into tech. Uh, after I went through that same thing of I had worked at HEB, yeah. found Gateway and went, this gig is way better. Yeah. It's way easier to sell stuff than bag groceries and get yelled at. So, yes. uh, But yeah, there over at Rackspace, uh, spent some time at Pier 1 Hosting as well, helping them grow and expand here in San Antonio. Uh, and then after that, I went out to California and worked for a, uh, a CDN company, uh, running their sales and marketing department, helped them get acquired, uh, and then came back home and realized that for my second act of my career, because I'm older than my youthful demeanor yes. may uh, may portray, um, started working way more community focused, uh, really wanted to get in and help. I had done some tech mentorship and entrepreneur mentorship, but recognized very quickly, it's really the people and the growth of what's going on in our community uh, that really motivated me and uh, energized me. So uh, I progressively got closer and closer to geekdom and tech block, ultimately culminating in me working at both yes and uh for right now for my time at tech block i'm the chief talent officer and we just launched this tech talent central program and i'm incredibly excited about it and all of the things we we're talking before we even started rolling are just small little bits and bites of 
all the really cool stuff I get to uh, get my hands into. Yeah, that's great. So for for those that haven't heard of, of TechBlock, or maybe they, they did hear of it and, and wonder, like, is TechBlock still around? It's still doing things? Yes, it is. So it was um, it started uh, about four years ago um, around Correct. the whole ride-sharing thing here in, in San Antonio as the city was figuring out, do we allow ride-sharing? Do we block it? How is this going to work? And TechBlock formed uh, to help organize the voice of the tech community and and turns in San Antonio and push uh, it towards um, things for as a city that will help grow and foster our tech economy here. Yeah. It, the tech community was at a tipping point. Yeah. I think there were a ton of people that had been developed and growing up. Jobs were abundant. We were becoming a real economic force, but we really didn't have a seat at the table. It was a lot of stuff that was behind the scenes and, you know, occasionally asks were made uh, of our business community or our portion yeah. of the business community. And, you nailed it. The uh, the rideshare issue was a real galvanizing force for the tech community that helped really launch and put TechBlock out there. And now we advocate for tech talent, uh, tech employers at the city, state, and uh, just local levels wherever we can. Yeah. So uh, and so all this advocacy and like the TechBlock's had a, a job posting listing in their newsletter for the last four years and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, I guess about a year ago or so, this idea of a chief talent officer in collaboration with the city and the county came about? Yeah, so David actually had this idea, I think, maybe a little over almost two years ago. Um, that, that's the kind of vision that he has, which is why it's wonderful to have him as our CEO leading our group. Um, but yeah, he he lobbied the, the city and the county, said it's really important for us to have uh, somebody represent the tech community and specifically the talent component. Um, how do we attract and retain all of the top talent here in San Antonio? Because we have some really wonderful people that graduate and go on and help build cities and companies and other places. Yeah. So how do we keep them here? Uh, and what came out of those conversations was uh, some funding and a plan to create a chief talent recruiting officer um, and let them be a part of TechBlock and help build the community and be a resource for community organizations, uh, the local um, city and county uh, economic development groups to work with as well. So we had somebody that came in, Janine Wild. She did a really great job. Um, She was uh, in the role for a few months. And um, due to a couple of things, I think she needed to step away and take care of some stuff. And that created the opportunity for me to come in, pick up where she left off. She handed off the baton really well. And I was off to the races. I kind of had to be. She had done a, a lot of really cool stuff. So um, yeah, that that's exactly how that kind of started. Yeah, I think I, I I ran into you a few times your your first few weeks, and and it was just a, a fire hose of stuff coming in of of companies saying, hey, do you have do you know where we can find people with skill X Y Z? And then you had a, a fire hose of people going, hey, do you know companies looking for people with skill A B C and, and background? And and I guess so out of of you trying to manually play matchmaker uh, came this idea of the tech talent. Yes. Or Tech Central? Yeah, Tech Talent Central. That's correct. Um, and that's exactly what it was. I am not what you would call a classically trained recruiter, Yeah, meaning I've never done that job before in my life. Yes. Uh, I've had a lot of coffee and happy hour conversations helping people get connected, uh, but hadn't done it formally. Yeah. And the first thing I did when I went on my little listening tour was, uh, you know, talk to people in the community, see what the problems were from an employer and talent standpoint. And it became very apparent uh, I'm one person. I'm not going to be able to shake 5,000 people's hands and get them jobs and help them do that. Instead, what we need is we need a place that aggregates all that demand and need and supply 
into a little easier place to shop, so to speak. Yeah. So instead of going to Career Builder and Indeed, we wanted to create our own gathering place uh, for tech talent and employers uh, looking for that tech talent to work. So we launched Tech Talent Central to be that engine. And basically now I'm the mechanic of that engine. That's how I like to describe it, which frees me up to have other conversations around economic development, workforce development, and some of our you know higher demand uh, talent needs you know, around executives, mid and senior level roles, things like that. Yeah. So, so as you mentioned, the other big career sites out there. Uh, uh, and so what is Tech Talent Central doing that's different than like, why don't I just go on a LinkedIn and click the little button that says I'm looking? Uh, or why don't I throw my resume up on Indeed or uh, one of the other uh, job portals out there? So that's a great question, and it's one that I talk about every day. Yeah. Uh, do all of those things, all of the things. Uh, when it comes to a job search or you know hunting for your next role or career, it's imperative that you do everything at your disposal to get your name out there. And uh, there, you know, there's no silver bullet, one magic thing that makes everything happen. Yeah. It's a confluence of factors and efforts that actually create the opportunity for somebody to get connected to the right person that may get them that job or to apply to the magic button that they can click uh, the easy to apply or they throw the flag up on LinkedIn um, and let people know that they're interested. Do all of those things. What we're doing with Tech Talent Central is in San Antonio with our community and with the relationships and the way that our city has worked for so long, we really need an aggregating point because we all know that it's, it's better to get referrals rather than blind resume submissions. It's hiring people you and I both managed, you know, organizations and people within Rackspace and other places. You currently do it here. Um, So it's one of those things where do all of those things, but also maybe your first stop should be the local area where everyone is already working together and makes it a little bit easier for you to transition, get the right resources, get the connections, maybe some mentorship, career development, whatever you might need. Uh, Because again, it's a marathon. Yeah. You can't just jump into the race and run. You've got to train, you've got to prepare, and you have to be in the right mindset because it is a grind. Uh, in today's economy, and as competitive as things are right now, it can be really difficult finding a role. So yeah, we e- just want to be the first stop. Even with how low unemployment is, the labor market of matchmaking is just, it's not efficient. It's not, it, no. it's one of the, especially on the tech side, and I, I tell folks this all the time, is that plan on, a minimum of 30 days from you're putting that flag up to the point where you're going to be sitting down starting a new job. And it's really probably more 60 or 90 days very often, uh, not because a company doesn't have an open role and they you aren't qualified for it. It just the all of the steps in the process right now uh, take that long to, to move through and get executed. That's it. It's the process. Yeah, it's always the process. And it's it's really interesting uh, having been on both sides of this coin and now me helping people when they are on this hunt and looking for roles or, you know, fortunately we have a lot of people interested in moving to San Antonio. The thing that I try to remind them of is their job of the company you're applying at is not to wait for your resume. They have work that they're still doing and the hiring component and that need, even as an urgent need is not at the top of the list always. Yeah. It's always shuffled behind the other prioritized work. So you have to work really hard and not kind of rest on your laurels and wait for them to email. You need to be upfront. You need to be, you know, uh, helping them however possible to remember 
that you're there, you're wanting to get engaged and work for them and make their life a little more easier, right? Um, but yeah, it's all about the process. And a lot of folks, it's it comes as a surprise, you know, when they start looking at that. So that's yeah. why I always say, you know, again, I use the marathon mentality because if you don't know you're about to run a marathon and you just think it's a regular race, at about mile five, seven, 10, 13, you yeah. kind of start to freak out. Yeah, and that's usually sure. when you need the support system to help you. And that's what we try to be for people. No, it's good. Yeah. And so if, if any listeners out there in, in school still, if you're um, studying for a technology career, if you're uh, attending Code Up or Open Cloud Academy, and if you don't know what those are, we've uh, had folks from uh, both of those programs uh, on CyberTalk Radio. You can check out and listen to that on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com, as well as a uh, on uh, your favorite podcasting service out there on the internet. And if you have a favorite podcasting service where you do not find CyberTalk Radio, let us know. We will fix that and we will get you a CyberTalk Radio t-shirt. Um, but yeah, so I mean, if you're in school, I, my recommendation to folks is the start of your senior year, start trying to apply for jobs then and l- letting folks know your expected graduation date is May or June or whenever your school finishes that following year later. Because if you're coming out of school, it takes even longer to figure that first job out and you want to spend some time looking that first job in your career can really make a trajectory change difference Uh, and if you um, are in April of your senior year and you haven't some seen something yet whoever sends you the first offer letter you're probably going to take it and you may regret that of of not spending the time what do you I mean your thoughts is too soon to start looking at the start of your senior year or 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 the like when a boot camp even at this first week of boot camp yeah, no, that's great advice. I could not say that better myself. Uh, what I talk to with uh, people coming out of school, specifically, you know, kind of that sophomore, junior is work in internships, develop the work experience as much as you can. Uh, and then senior year, absolutely start working and letting people know that is so important uh, to put yourself out there to plan for it, find companies. And, and most importantly, Really think about the kind of work that you want to be doing when you come out of it. Um, the other thing that I've discovered doing this work is how much uh, emotion is in the decision when it comes time to find a job, uh, whether you are prepared for it or not. You know, as some people may be laid off or maybe you graduate and you realize I was enjoying my senior year. I didn't start working yet. It's April. What am I going to do? You'll grab the first job because that sense of dread and desperation yeah. sets in. And you get there, and six weeks in, you're muttering to yourself as you commute into work, um, yeah. what am I doing? Yeah, I can't believe I, I studied believe four I years to end up in this place. That's exactly right. So yeah. it's always best to prepare and start that search early. And again, this is why we created what uh, we're building with Tech Talent Central. Uh, you know, We have a website coming here in September um, that's going to be a resource link for folks. So that way they can go and have access to this type of uh, advice, sites, job postings and other kind of work to let them know, start your process early. Here's a great place to just wade into the water. Cause sometimes when you go to career builder indeed, and some of those other things, it's impersonal. You're submitting resumes to black holes. It's not helpful. Yeah. Uh, and it, and it really kind of goes against the ethos. I think of what we've built around our tech community here, which is being helpful to each other and helping build something together. Um, and that starts with, you know, person to person connections. Yeah. So yeah, great advice on that. 
Uh, so an- another one that's common out here, and I, I'm curious to get your perspective on this because you're having conversations both with employers and hiring managers and people that are on the search. So I was I was out um, just looking around some job boards, uh, checking stuff out as we were getting ready for this program. And uh, this is one that it still seems to be coming up these days. Uh, but there was a, a job listing for a DevOps engineer asking for 10 plus years of Kubernetes experience. So um, I don't know exactly what year Google open source Kubernetes, but it was not in 2009. So even if you were, may, I don't know, maybe if you were at Google on the internal team thinking about Kubernetes, maybe they sort of thought of it back in 2009. But, uh, so and what's your recommendation on somebody like, say they're, they are a Kubernetes certified administrator. So they've gone out, gotten that high level Kubernetes certification, but they've been doing it for two years. And this job says 10 years of, of Kubernetes experience. Do you recommend that they apply? Do you recommend they go, you know what, I only have two years, not 10 years, I shouldn't. And then uh, on the employee side or the, the job searcher side, then how do you have these conversations with hiring managers when you're reading job descriptions and you're like, Dude, you're looking for something that doesn't exist, or you're looking for a pink unicorn with a purple horn. Yeah, <laughs> no. Um, a first question yes. is apply. Yes. Yeah. You have the relevant experience. Um, again, what I like to tell uh, talent that's out there looking: if you see something where you check the majority of the boxes with relevant experience, and it's a, it's a common sense exercise. Yeah. Um, what doesn't help is if you have zero experience for a manager, director, senior leader, or in a software, and you're coming out of uh, maybe a code up or a CSE degree or something like that, yeah. and you have zero experience, no even project work in it, don't waste anybody's time. But if you have relevant experience with a high-level certification, go ahead and err on the side of caution and say, I have the experience, I'm going to apply anyway, and in your cover letter, highlight that. Yeah. Hey, I know you're asking for 10 Kubernetes because yeah. it wasn't founded in 2009. And yeah, here's the link to the Wikipedia page that says it didn't exist <laughs> until 2014 or whatever. That's my guess. My guess on the air here is 2014. There might be a napkin at Google framed somewhere with yeah. a Kubernetes kind of like sketched out in terms of its architecture, but I sincerely doubt it for yeah. that for 10 years. But yeah, you know, from a talent perspective, if it makes sense and it's not a, an absolute ridiculous stretch of the imagination, apply for it. Yeah. Like absolutely apply for it. It costs you nothing. Uh, and it allows you maybe to feature yourself and, and definitely write the cover letter or some other kind of component uh, to let people know that you have some relevant um, experience and background in, in talking about what they're doing. Yeah. Um, with employers, uh, I think you know me and, and a few other folks within our community know yeah. I'm, uh, I'm pretty direct uh, and I, I try to couch those things as nice as possible. But these are the types of things when I talk to employers about, I just go, what are you thinking? Yeah. Like, what are you thinking? This is how you wind up with a problem of saying you can't find talent that doesn't meet your search criteria. But then we look at your text string of what you're putting into your applicant tracking system or your backend database. And it is this unbelievably congested uh, language experience level, this long string that no one will ever match. And this is where I start talking to them about their internal dynamics and communication around job postings which is if you go to your hiring manager, HR professional or talent acquisition professional, you need to get really clear about what are the basic functions and language capabilities of what they need. Please don't shoot for the moon inside of this job board. What you want to do is base level competency because as we all know inside of the workforce, it's really actually more about personality, character, and teammate fit and capability rather than just finding that 
you know, uh, with a pink unicorn with a purple horn. Yeah. Uh, to be able to make that case. And what they'll find is, well, we didn't know that. Like, you know, we're not technical, so we figure the hiring manager will tell us, like, well, in most cases, the hiring manager doesn't know either. No. They're just throwing out what they think is the perfect case to make their life easier. Yeah. And what they're really doing is making their life so much harder. And this is pretty common. And I think it's something that um, you spoke earlier to the inefficiency of the process and system. This is the thing that companies are going to have to figure out in their quest to make hiring uh, easier and get the right kind of people in. Um, the over-reliance upon automation and some of the AI work that's out there uh, or even algorithm work that's inside of these software systems, um, it needs to be re-examined. The process needs to have some more people touch put in place. Yeah. Uh, and as I've worked with some employers who have started doing that, their results have gotten incredibly better. Um, they're not missing candidates. They're not missing talent. Some of the people that I've placed uh, have been existing candidates from their existing database that they did not catch. Yeah. And they fall in love with the candidate and told me, how did you find this person? I go, they applied to you six months ago. Yeah. They're already sitting in your database waiting for you. Yeah, for no, if, if you're a, a, a CEO or a leader and you're trusting uh, an AI system to filter all of your, your first uh, candidate screenings, uh, realize right now that um, just go on your favorite search engine and put in uh, blueberry muffin or chihuahua. Realize that um, you're going to see these pictures, that there's blueberry muffins and chihuahuas out there in those photos back and forth. And the AI from a image recognition can barely tell the difference between chihuahuas and blueberry muffins. So this is like, I mean, if, if you're trusting that same level of AI to scan resumes and read cover letters and determine who's a good candidate or not, um, I assure you with my coffee this morning, I did not want to eat a Chihuahua. <laughs> There's really great companies doing really cool stuff, but we're not at Skynet level AI no. yet at all. No. Not remotely close. Yeah, it's not there. Um, so uh, the, what skills are you seeing kind of out there um, in high demand right now as you talk to employers and realistic skills, uh, not the, the unicorn ones? Mid-level and senior level developers software engineers, architects, um, you know, really it's that class of uh, tech workers with five plus years of experience that right now are worth their weight in gold. And what I'm finding kind of from the San Antonio tech community, and I think the business community overall is we have some incredibly loyal workers within our community. Yeah. Um, they look for the comfort, they get taken care of by really great employers, so they wanna stay there. And when they stay there, what happens is it comes to the detriment of turnover and growth and acceleration of careers and development and opportunities for other uh, for other people to come in and take those roles at an entry level and move that mid-level person up. Yeah. Generally, in most other kind of mature uh, talent pools, you see that turnover happen a little quicker because people are understanding that in order to progress their career, it's not always going to be at the same company. You know, this isn't the 50s. You know, this isn't post, uh, post-war post industrial America yeah. where we're in the golden age of growth and everybody can find jobs and you stay there and you get these retirement pensions. It's really about deployments. You know, I think every two years people should be looking at their, um, that their position and their role and what they're doing and their satisfaction and performance in it and thinking, is this the right place for me? Yeah. And that has really manifested itself. And what I've seen here locally, man, mid-level and senior-level um, software roles are just so in demand right now because so many companies are growing and maturing their technology stacks. They need that experience and help, and it's difficult. So what we've been doing is working and focusing on trying to find outside talent to help do that. 
but I know so much of it is in San Antonio. It's just inactive. Yeah. They don't know that this market is booming for them because they're perfectly content right now in their space. But with just a little nudge and a little bit of initiative, hopefully we can get them to start expanding and looking out, which in turn helps make our corporate partners and employers better skilled at retaining their employees and creating new benefits that are actually for the future rather than some of the, uh, you know, kind of the older approaches to benefits and, and employee retention packages. Yeah. You're listening to 1200 WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio, and I'm joined by Dax Marino, the Chief Talent Officer at TechBlock. Uh, if you uh, just hopped in your car right now and uh, wondered what all we're talking about, uh, you can catch the replay of this uh, up on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com on Tuesday, August the 20th. It'll also go out on all the podcasting services uh, all across the internet. If you uh, do want to continue listening to us, we're going to take a quick break here at the bottom of the hour for a news, traffic, and weather update. Uh, then we will be back continuing uh, tech talent, career planning conversations. I mean, we can do some resume tips. Those are always some uh, good things. So how do you make that cover letter something that will actually get the employer to read it? Because um, there's the candidates I hear from all the time that are super frustrated. They're like, I'm the perfect fit for this job, and I can't get them to call me back. So let's see if we can help folks solve that and uh, continue this conversation. If you are going to hop out of your vehicle, uh, there's an iHeartRadio streaming app on Android, iOS, and uh, via the web at iHeartRadio.com that you can continue listening to 1200WAI. Welcome back to Cyber Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran, and I'm joined uh, this week by Dax Moreno, the Chief Talent Officer for TechBlock. If you uh, just hopped in your car now or turned on your iHeartRadio streaming app, uh, the first half of the program we covered kind of what is TechBlock, uh, what's going on with Tech Talent Central, and uh, the things that Dax has been working on. In this half of the program, we're going to dive in a little bit. Resumes, cover letters, uh, job postings. We, we talked a little bit about that on the uh, just before that bottom of the hour break for news, traffic, and weather for employers, please like put up a real job description. Uh, my my fax checking team uh, looked. Yeah, Kubernetes was a June of 2014. Is that the? I'm looking over at them now. Yes, June of 2014. Yeah, so uh, yeah, you can't ask for 10 years of experience in Kubernetes employers, but we'll we'll talk a bunch more about that. If you're going to be able to stick with us, great. If not, uh, this will go up on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com on Tuesday, August 20th. Uh, it'll also go on to YouTube if you would love to see a still photo of Dax and I while we uh, have this conversation in the background. Uh, no, we don't do video. Uh, it'd be a lot more editing. Anyone that wants to volunteer to edit uh, CyberTalk Radio um, for a video version, uh, let us know. Maybe if, if you're going to be a volunteer editor, we would uh, at least do one episode in video and see if more people will watch uh, moving on, on YouTube. Or maybe we can use some of these AI and just animate our lips. Uh, the AI is, I mean, it's as good as screening resumes. I mean, it, it's got to be able to animate lips by now. <laughs> I'm good I'm good with that. It's probably better at it. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, so uh, it's for the, the folks that stuck with us, let's um, jump into to resume writing and stuff. Uh, so I'll, I'll ask some questions. I'll pretend I'm the, the job searcher here and uh, fire some stuff out at you. So um, but is there a, like, rules on uh, a font? Like can I use Comic Sans on my resume? Uh, like what, what am I supposed to do from a, a font perspective um, and graphics and those sorts of things? Just starting at the, the high-level artistic side of the resume and then we'll work into content. 
Yeah, you know, uh, some of this really is uh, just personal taste, I think, more than anything else. But uh, again, I, I always err on the side of common sense. Um, Comic Sans, I think that's a no. Yeah. Uh, if they make a meme about it, probably don't do it inside of your resume. Yeah. Um, one of the big things that uh, I talk to uh, the talent about when they're building out the resume or cover letters is start with a traditional sense, right? You need to tell people the basics your education level, your experience, kind of who you are. And what I try to talk to people about really is uh, shape the narrative of your resume. What is the story of all of your work experience? Where have you been? What are you doing today? And what are you looking to do in the future? And how does all of this work together to get to this point where you are now presenting this story to an employer? So when they look at it, they mentally can read that story to themselves and go, hey, this person makes a lot of sense for us. Um, and too often I see people that are just disjointed. Um, if you're doing sales or marketing or anything with numbers based performance and you don't have numbers in your resume, that's like a strike one and two. That yeah. means you probably weren't very good at it. So you need to make sure that you have a story to explain why you were in the sales role, but you didn't write any numbers. And that was the only sales job on your resume. Everybody can read between the lines. Yeah. You're not pulling over anything on anyone. Yeah. Um, when it comes to some of the more creative elements, like including a picture or portfolio components or anything else, uh, what I liken that to is uh, developers, software engineers, and programmers generally are really smart about this. You know, link to your GitHub account or portfolio site. Everyone does a really good job of that. Um, what I would say for a lot of those folks is expand a little bit more on your personal story. You know, what interests you in software development or maybe some interesting um, hobbies or uh, pursuits that you have in and around technology that might be interesting to them. You never know what's going to catch the eye of people when they're trying to hire for a developer um, that actually coincides with some of the other work that they're looking at exploring or expanding into at a later date. Um, if you're a marketing or graphic designer or anyone else, I think that's where experimentalism is probably encouraged. Yeah. Uh, if experimentalism is a, is a word, we can maybe fact check that. Yeah. Um, probably not. So probably not. I'll go ahead and say Red. we'll just say experiment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in those instances, you know, do something that's a little different. If you've designed a font, use your font and then put that inside of your cover letter, right? Yeah. Um, change up the formatting a little bit so that it's a representation of you um, from a creative side because that's really what they're hiring for in that. If you are a, you know, maybe an operations person or a project manager, I don't think you're the you're the role, if that's what you're looking to do, where you want to experiment with a really crazy font or an interesting format or have three of your headshots on the resume. Um, some people recommend you put headshots. Personally, I actually say for folks to not do that. Um, Generally speaking, uh, it's a little bit more difficult for some HR professionals. If you're applying to corporate roles or corporate jobs, remove it. Uh, because by having your picture, you're actually making it more difficult for them to select you. Uh, there can't be any bias when they're looking at it. They need yeah. to look at qualifications and have an objective look at your resume minus any of the other things. You know, race, nationality, age, gender, any of that stuff. So by putting your picture in there, I know quite a few who just go, right, picture, that goes off to the no pile. Yeah. So you do yourself no favors out of that. Uh, smaller mom and pop shops or kind of startups or other things. Again, that's really great. And really the overall uh, feedback that I give to people is cater and tailor your resume to your audience. Um, have a base one that you work from with your job descriptions and experience levels and all that stuff. 
uh, and then assemble it into a new wrapper format for the different kind of jobs you're looking at. You know, be specific, tailor your conversation or tailor your cover letter to the role that you're applying to. Um, again, I talk about sales and marketing. I'll use that because that's an easier example for people generally to understand. If you've done both jobs, but you really enjoy the marketing, highlight the marketing components. Speak more to the desire of how you have operated in both ends and you find that you are better at the front end of the equation, right? Yeah. Uh, filling the funnel rather than executing and uh, converting the funnel into accounts. Um, those types of things. And it sounds like common sense right now, and I'm sure for most of the listeners, they'll just be like, well, duh, that's pretty common sense. But uh, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of folks out there that are because they feel like there's so many jobs posted. So they're going to these big job sites and it's overwhelming to try to figure out how to tailor your resume to apply to 100 jobs. And they've been told I have to apply to 100 jobs to get hired. Uh, I feel like if you applied to 10 or 20 jobs and customize your resume, read a little bit about the company, learn about it, and write something that's going to speak to your audience, you might only have to do 10 or 20 instead of 100 blind scattershot out there. That's exactly right. And a big component of that also is... Most folks don't like it when I say it, but it's about networking. Yeah. Uh, if you are looking for a role and there's a company out there that you aspire to work with or for, find out where they do their work, where they volunteer, where they spend their time and what they do, and find ways to network into that community. If there's something of interest and it's a new um, effort for you to learn, so we talked about Kubernetes or Azure or whatever, yeah. find the meetup groups, go to those events, start meeting people and expressing an interest and letting folks know. So that way you start having some ins to be able to understand the company culture a little bit. Too often than not, people scan a website, think they know the story and what it's about, and then try and be smarter than you know the algorithm. Yeah, And that usually never works. No. Um, what's a more meaningful approach is obviously tailoring, doing your research, and really trying to understand where are these people working, where are they going, and how do I fit into their story? How does my narrative and my experience get me into that group? or into those conversations. And I think that is actually um, just, that's the kind of common sense advice that I usually like to talk to people about. And then I help people go through that a little bit. I say, okay, well, where are we looking at? What's that company do? Why is that interesting to you? What do you bring to the table that they don't currently have now? So we start having that kind of thought exercise. And usually that opens up a ton of thinking and approaches for them to position themselves to be best represented when they apply. Yeah. And uh, if you're wondering, how do I find out about different events going on in the San Antonio area um, and other cities uh, have these things, same things as well. There's a San Antonio business calendar. Um, go find that on your favorite search engine. We'll link that in our recap post about this as well, but that there's stuff going on almost every night and there's uh, things across every uh, aspect of the community. Geekdom's also a great place to come down and learn more. We've had a number of folks from the Geekdom team uh, on the program over the last three years. So you can check out uh, those past episodes on the episode search on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com. And then uh, go to a Tech Block event. Um, that's a, a good way to uh, network and meet a broad swath of folks in the tech community. And you can ask uh, people there uh, what's going on in, in your area of interest. And you'll find maybe not a bunch of people at that specific event, but they'll be able to tell you who to plug into and how. Uh, and yeah, I mean, by the time you decide you want to look for a job, 
if you haven't done any networking, that 30 to 90 day job search is going to be more on the 60 or 90 day end of things. Um, if you're not out building relationships and a community and, and staying abreast of, of, kind of what's going on, it's much more difficult um, to hit the ground running in the event that you decide you want to change employers or uh, something happens at your, your current job where your department or division is getting eliminated. Uh, it, it, you're going to be uh, behind rather than ahead of the curve. Uh, but questions on resume again, so I'm going I'm to go back to a few more specific ones that I know. So let's say my my Fortnite gamer ID is uh, Fuzzy Blue Dog 112. It, it should on my business resume should I have Fuzzy Blue Dog 112 at hotmail.com as my email address? Uh, that's a no for me, Brett. Yeah. That's not what you want. Yeah, you need so, a little more professional. Yeah, email addresses are free these days. Go get like your name at gmail at one of the big mail providers go get a professional email address it's it's free like and it shows that you're applying professionally and acting like an adult and not a Fortnite gamer now if you're applying to work at a video game company and that's your gamer id and you're on the top of some Fortnite leaderboard great then maybe go ahead and use that one and you'll have a conversation but this is understanding the role you're applying for and the company and, and what kind of conversation are you trying to have with them that's exactly right and again you know, for local folks here, this is about common sense. And if you feel uh, if there's a line on the common sense, like, well, maybe I could do Fuzzy Blue Dog 112, then that's a no again for yeah. me. If there's a question about if it's being common sense, then don't do it. Yeah. Uh, and then if needed, send us a note at, at Tech Talent Central and I'll help you out <laughs> either yeah. through Facebook, Instagram, uh, you know, or any other means that we have um, to help people answer those questions and, and, get a little bit of navigation out of that so one that you you hit on already um and so that i see when people list their job experience there's uh, two different buckets i generally see in, in resumes so there's one where people list what they were responsible for and then there's others where people represent and list what they did what they accomplished with facts and numbers um and i, I kind of think i heard you already say if this is a metric driven role like a sales role or a marketing role where you're responsible for generating leads or those sorts of things it's a red flag to you if they are are saying i was responsible for managing a team of 30 sellers but you don't talk in there about like did you guys achieve quota was your team better or worse than the other teams at the company if they're not giving you any quantitative numbers red flag to you i guess is what it sounds like yeah absolutely uh, i'm a big proponent of people putting themselves in other shoes so if you're writing your resume and you know that you didn't do such a great job during that sales management period or in that role, I think there's a way to be able to talk a little bit about that, right? So you want to position your resume to talk about truthfully about that experience, but to highlight the things that you did well. So when you have the conversation and you do get to the interview round, you already know what the narrative is. Like, hey, you're not hiring me to be a sales manager. I have management experience. My team was, you know, maybe I was the highest rated manager there. We were one of the middle of the pack performing teams, but I'm not going to put 85% to goal for the year out there. So this is what it was. These were the difficulties. This is why I want to be a manager of a customer service team or operations team or anything like that. Um, I just think, you know, again, this is really about understanding and putting yourself out and saying, if somebody were to read this, what would the natural questions be? Uh, for them to join the team. Yeah. Like if I'm writing this and explaining it to someone and they immediately don't go, oh, you're perfect for this, or wow, this is really interesting, then you need to find the better narrative of your experience during that time and what you did 
and uh, and how you achieved it. Yeah. So then on resumes, you, you've got kind of a couple of things here, the sections in the resume and then the order these sections go in. So you've got like uh, I've seen folks where they put a, a section of skills. So these are our skills that I have, uh, whether it's whatever, uh, strategic selling or sales management or uh, employee coaching. They'll list these skills out in a skills section. You have your work experience section and then a, kind of an education section. Uh, what are thoughts on how to include all three of those? Are some of them just ones that don't get read? Um, and what order do you put them in? I think that's a trend. Right. So depending upon the time, um, there's these little formats. I think maybe it's because of whoever builds templates for Microsoft Word or Google Docs or whoever. And they put those uh, areas first or second or third is usually what people follow. Um, for me, uh, I think if you're looking at something that's, you know, maybe an education or degree focused role where they say you have to have a master's and other stuff, you lead off with your education experience. Hey, first line of criteria. I checked the box for that then here's my relevant experience and then the skill sets I bring to the table or whatever. Um, but it's really about, again, to your point, reading the job description, doing some research on the company and determining what kind of people do they hire there. And then making sure that you highlight those elements first when they come into it, Yeah, which is why generally I use like uh, people or I suggest to people to say, hey, the mission is not to get a job at their firm. Please stop writing that. It, yeah. Of course yeah, it so is. Objective You're applying to the just, job. Yeah. Really, what you should be saying is, hey, um, I am this kind of a person who's proven to do these kinds of things in these kinds of situations, and I see that you have these situations. So that's a really great intro. Like, oh, wow, yeah. this person's a problem solver with limited resources, guerrilla warfare tactics and marketing and sales yep. or whatever. That's the kind of person I want around me. Perfect. Now let's go on to the next side. What kind of experience led them to that story, right? Yeah. So again, this kind of goes to that narrative of what you're trying to present and and put out there for people to read. And you know, you maybe have twenty to thirty seconds, thirty yeah. seconds if they're generous, fifteen if they're not, uh, when they're scanning these resumes. So you really want to be able to identify and grab attention and get them to read to the next level. So for me, uh, I, again, I think it's about the job and the research that you put into it. Uh, for one of the companies that you're really, really wanting to get into. Yeah. So for, for the, the college students, when they uh, went out of high school to apply to go to college, they were taught to list all their extracurricular activities, all their volunteer experiences on that college application. Where do volunteer experiences and extracurricular activities belong in a resume? So for me, I think that, uh, again, unless you're working at a nonprofit or looking to work at someone that's a little bit more of a social startup or socially minded or socially conscious company, um, that's kind of towards the end. I still think traditionally in that sense. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's important to, to list out. Um, what I don't think is important necessarily is to say, oh, I'm a runner or I weightlift or whatever, unless it's relevant to the role or the company and the mission of what they're on. Um, I do think it's important to list anything of where what communities or what groups you're a part of or organizations that you assist and work with um, or causes that you support or anything else that, again, non-political in nature and, you know, non, you know. Yeah. So so politics and religion, keep that off the resume. Correct. Yes. As, yeah. as much as you can. Um, for some people, I think it's unavoidable. They have to do it anyway. Yeah. But but again, this is one of those things you want to think about what the recruiter or the talent acquisition person looking at your resume to not disqualify you. So really build it to where it catches their attention. You look like you're somebody worth having a conversation with. You go into the yes pile. 
that's your whole goal with writing your resume out of that. Uh, so avoid those types of things, but give enough to show that you're not just a working robot, but that you do have some other things and relationships and network and experience that could come to bear with the company that they're trying to build with you joining it. Yeah. Uh, so to um, well, demoralize candidates a little bit here, uh, probably on this one, but, uh, do you have any stats around how long does the uh, an average recruiter or HR person spend looking at each resume before they do that yes or no pile? Ooh, that's a really good question, and it is heavily dependent upon the company yeah. uh, and the recruiter. How big the department is, how many applicants that they get. Um, you know, look, we'll we'll talk about USAA. They get a ton of resumes every yeah. single day. They need the system in place to help them filter, and then they have a really wonderful team. We know some of the folks from our shared time at Rackspace yeah. that are a part of their talent acquisition and recruiting team there. Um, and I know personally they do a great job, and they know what they're looking for. But it's difficult. You can't spend five minutes looking at every resume. That's just no. not the reality. So when you're applying for some place like that, that's a place where it's heavily credentialed. You need to have your experience yeah. and everything tightened Bottom up. Bottom line up front. That's exactly right. Yeah. Like the no-nonsense approach. That's what you want to get. Then when you get into the other conversations in the callback, deliver the cover letter then. Yeah. Give them the extra story and spend the time highlighting your character and you know, the narrative, right? Yeah. Um, so on those blind applications, uh, how often do you find um, the recruiting partners out there reading cover letters? Um, they will usually read the cover letter when they see something of interest in the resume. Okay, so they're going to scan resume first, then if interested, read cover letter. That's generally how... What I have heard from my conversations with professionals in that in those circles, that's usually what they do. Or if there's something of a little bit of a tie and they're trying to figure out who to bring in or kind of look, yeah. they'll look to the cover letter if there is one um, to kind of look at writing style, thoughtfulness. Did they tailor this to us and do research? What are the more thoughtful things? And I think everyone can agree if you're thoughtful enough to write a cover letter that, that uh, you know, integrates what you're doing and your experience into the company's mission and shows you did some capacity and critical thinking on it, you're probably going to make a better teammate and worker than the person who didn't write the cover letter or didn't give it any kind of thought on that. Yeah. So uh, another one here that I'm seeing more of a, a trend on. So say I, uh, I, MIT, they've got open courseware and you can attend all these MIT classes online now for, for free. Um, can I put MIT on my resume if I and I, down there in, in italics or something underneath I'll say like attended computer science open courseware class or whatever else um you know I probably wouldn't put it in the education factor yeah um but I think uh I think that would be something really interesting actually if you were to put that in under your hobbies or interests or miscellaneous to say I've I've done you know 10 12 hours of mit courseware and this thing yeah. which i think again is an interesting thing for somebody to catch their eye to go wow this person's a lifelong learner in their free time they're going out and learning and doing capacity now if you misrepresent it yeah that's when you go why are you trying to represent that you went to mit you did not go to mit yeah you watched youtube videos yeah like, that's not the same thing that needs to go into the no pile yeah. so again it's all about you know these are people reading your resumes and they can sense what you're trying to do. And let me tell you something for what uh, recruiters and talent acquisition have to do in today's day and age in terms of sifting and sorting and parsing information out. They are incredibly good at understanding the underlying uh thing you're trying to do yeah you're not going to pull one over on them no yeah. <laughs> it's they're just too experienced and they know it and it's usually the thing that they don't like 
is is having that happen. If folks want to continue this conversation, where can they get in contact with you, in contact with Tech Talent, uh, and and everything else going on with Tech Block? Yeah, so uh, we're actually in the process of building out a website where we're going to house our job board, uh, our content, some blog, and, and other material, and those resource links that I've talked about earlier. But right now, we're actually fully active on social media. You can find us at Tech Talent Central on Facebook, LinkedIn, and even Instagram. Um, I've got a great person from our Students Plus Startups intern, Jessica Chavez, who helped me launch all of our social media. Yeah. She exclusively handles Instagram. Uh, I'm not so good on that. No. Uh, everything else I'm, I'm pretty okay with. Yep. Uh, but she's done a really great job. Uh, she's going to be helping us out here kind of into the fall as well with the website launch and everything. But um, we're really excited I'm, about the social media sites themselves. We offer a lot of curated content exactly like what we're talking about today. Advice, career guidance. Uh, you can get in contact with us with direct questions. I can set up time. I love having a coffee and a chat. Even as simple as 15 minutes can sometimes help unstick something. Uh, and the other thing I like just doing is is helping to talk to people and getting a sense of where they're at and connecting them to resources and other things that are already within our community designed to help them and, and get them going. Um, like I said, this is a marathon. You need all of the support and training uh, that you can get. And we like to uh, help folks get connected with those types of uh, resources, thinking, and, uh, you know, just a little bit of fun kind of sprinkled throughout it. I mean, it is social media, so we try not to be uh, Can't too be one note. all the time. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, any uh, shout-outs or other parting thoughts? I and mean, we already plugged Lorenzo's book at the open of the program. Uh, so <laughs> anyone else we need to make sure we take care of here? Yeah, you know, uh, Lorenzo's actually just wrapping up his second book as well. So look for that, I think, this winter. Um, I think that's going to be a really good read. But also, uh, there's a couple of uh, really cool events we're going to be announcing in August and September uh, to help close out the year here for Tech Block and Tech Talent Central. And just come and like the page, follow us. Um, there's a ton of stuff that we're adding. We're super consistent. Every day we're posting new material for everybody. And then obviously when we launch the website, uh, we're going to do kind of a big media push and let folks know and really start getting the message out there. So any and all support would be much appreciated as we uh, start building up this community effort to enhance our tech talent pool in San Antonio. Well, thank you very much for joining us on the program.